So for you, this is a moral issue because you know there's a lot of jobs at stake. Certainly, uh, if uh, a lot of these defense contractors stop selling uh, warplanes, other sophisticated equipment to Saudi Arabia, they're gonna, there's going to be a, a, a significant loss of jobs and revenue here in the United States. That's secondary from your standpoint. A picket fence, a couple kids, some common sense, a job to pay a mortgage or your rent. And all these goals are understood, but misery is a public good, so come and feed your sorrows till you spend. Well, just to come, the captain said, the icebergs only dead ahead, the men will keep the engines fed, I have a deal with God. We're at the end of history, there ain't a hope for you or me, when workers philanthropically believe in the economy, but what a feast of tired eyes, the poison of the boiling skies, everyone that wrote up spies, remember when the world was wise, we no, 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 no. Hey everybody, uh, Weakness for Bleakness, episode two. That was uh, Wolf Blitzer from CNN up the top, disingenuously suggesting has it having the temerity to suggest that the loss of u.s defense contractor jobs might be equivalent to the horrific toll uh, of human life in the middle east i am kieran i'm joined by my friend darcy as always hello 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 wolf's got a point u.s defense contract jobs reduce unemployment in many countries kieran yeah that's very true short sharp to the point public policy if you're talking about make work what could be more beneficial to these people than leveling their cities killing members of the working class drives up wages it's good yeah very good all right let's uh let's get into it nation building yeah <laughs> Uh, we've got some headlines. Would you like to go first? The robotic 3D printing machine helping keep Australian design onshore and sustainable. This is by Clint Jasper, writing for ABC Rural. Yep. Uh, the Japanese have developed a whole garment seamless stitching machine. Right. That will produce a whole seamless garment with yeah. virtually no waste product. Right. And... So far, so good. Will uh, enable us to undercut Bangladeshi workers. Yeah, wonderful. Well, that sounds really awesome. I'm wondering, uh, is there anything about what might be done to ameliorate the sort of the costs of increased mechanization in this industry? I know that that's something that politicians and businessmen always sort of go to first to reassure people that uh nothing's going to be done to ameliorate the costs no Mm. Mm. um in local terms the australian textiles industry is functionally non-existent yeah so i suppose net positive when everyone was put out of work 20 years ago you don't have to worry (laughs) too much um the the move towards eliminating labor is seen as a real like demonic force by a lot of people who are on the left with me i kind of like it i hate the current implications of it i'm not Mm. wild about the fact that it's happening while i'm a member of the workforce (laughs) Uh, and and our economy is still structured on that workforce participation wage remuneration model but yes for, for for subsequent generations yeah. Uh, once public policy and civilization has caught up with the fact that mechanizations are going to be replacing a huge amount of waged labor, we could end up with a better yes. world. We, we could. could. Well, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I look as forward. Uh, I, I look forward working. as much as the next person to the Zardoz style. Uh, Elysian Field Society that we'll have where we get to lounge around in robes and sort of create shitty poetry because there's no suffering anymore and, like, shitty art because there's no suffering anymore. But it is just another case of transitional period that people living today have to deal with, the transitional period of late capitalism, which uh, blows chunks. It does, it blows. And it's... uh, I mean, Bertrand Russell wrote about this 
what feels like centuries ago, mm. pointed out that in a rationally ordered society, the more labour-saving mechanisms you introduce just means the, the less work each employed person does. Yes. But we don't live in a rationally ordered society, so the no. more labour-saving mechanisms are introduced, it's just the more people are put in insecure <laughs> work. Yeah. And the people that are left employed securely have to produce three times as much shit as they did before. <laughs> yeah. The thing that is most exciting about uh, the idea of jobs gradually ceasing to exist, at least in current conception, is the idea that people will have to be, f they'll be forced to stop equating uh, menial labor with purpose in the sort of like comment discourse when all of the morons are also out of work they're not going to be saying well if you don't have a job you're functionally worthless yeah which will be you know oh when people retire the death rate goes up a lot because they don't have any more purpose in life yeah yeah not because they've like fucking destroyed their bodies <laughs> after 60 years of back-breaking labor yeah i can see some fucking stupid disingenuous think piece from the american uh internet press being like uh we've often associated the correlation between age and death as a result of bodily breakdown but what if i told you there was another hypothesis that not being fit to labor and toil under the glorious god-given government of the usa means that people gradually lose the will to live only liberal politicians think that work is good for you Mm. remember that yeah. <laughs> nobody who does work thinks it's good for you yeah that's very true uh all right let's uh keep it rolling my first headline it's a sad day in some ways <clears throat> this headline is finland has second thoughts about giving free money to jobless people by peter s goodman for the new york times boo boo now uh there's a lot to unpack here because the, f the phrasing that he has used, second thoughts about giving free money to jobless people is this... You're suggesting he's loaded the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is uh, objective reporting. You can't argue that they weren't giving free money to people without jobs. But uh, yes, of course, it's Finland's experiment with a universal basic income, flawed experiment in the way that it was uh, set up, but they're winding it down at the end of this year. It's impossible to pilot a universal basic income scheme unless you actually do universal basic income. Yeah. You can't select, I think it was a thousand unemployed people. Yeah, one or and two thousand. say, we're giving you access to this money, mm. but we're not applying it macroeconomically. It's just yeah. going to you, only the unemployed. Completely and totally not the point of a universal basic yeah. income. It's just unemployment benefits. Yeah. That's all they've done. And exactly. Said, Unrestricted uh, unemployment benefits, which, you know, is not the worst thing in the world, but they already have a very robust unemployment program there, as I understand. I could be wrong about that. But, like, yeah, the whole universal basic income is supposed to sort of impact the way that society is configured on a much larger level than saying, like, what if these schmucks also have money? And they're finding that, you know, maybe these people aren't going out and becoming entrepreneurs and shit, but that's because you picked 2,000 or 1,000 down and out people and gave them money. You didn't restructure society to... Yeah, you haven't created a culture where it's had time to take effect mm. and you haven't made universal basic income widespread enough to be the economic cash injection that it is supposed to be. Yeah, you didn't... It's supposed to be about boosting general consumer power. Yeah, you didn't fucking create, like... A thousand gaps in the job market in meaningful positions or gaps in the retail market for meaningful innovations and entrepreneurship and stuff it's uh no it's, it's a frustrating result like what? it's been mm. set up to fail maybe <laughs> the most frustrating thing about it isn't that the experiment wasn't a success in the way that they configure the idea of success or they think about success but the way that it's being received as like proof and now it's going to be trotted out every time even the talks scandinavians couldn't do it the nords couldn't do it yeah yeah very it's, true it's frustrating because there's not we're, we're yet to get any kind of uh, literature on why the government decided to discontinue it it's assuming that it's it, just obviously happened. it didn't meet the criteria mm. for success that they had set for it but yeah we can only speculate yeah 
I have my reservations about universal basic income as well, but they're all uh, related to the probability that like landlords would immediately make rent ma- yeah, magically yeah. expensive, it more expensive by the basically. exact amount. But that's to do with you know capitalists, it's fucking sharks, the, eking every the drop constant of blood <laughs> out of the stone that they can. It's they're, they're, I don't know why you've got problems with people who are going out of their way to provide housing, Kieran. Mm. Um, and they're getting that money from the government for free, so it's not like they've had to work for that money, which sits in their bank account for two days before going to some octogenarian dipshit who inherited his Fitzroy house from his father. Definitely doesn't go to property maintenance, I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> and these are the people Kicking that have the and temerity. screaming, John, the roof is still <laughs> leaking. The mortar in the walls is still rotting, but we haven't scratched your fucking Scandinavian pine floorboards. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah. I I will fix it, John. I will fix it. Just let me... It's, I know, I know we had that see, big argument about putting a nail in the wall to hang up a picture two years ago, but please. I would actually be... Because I'm lucky in a way my house is 100 years old, mm. or John's house is 100 years old. So it's actually pretty easy to fix shit if, mm. without being a brilliant tradesman. I'd happily do some kind <laughs> of- Because it's all budged like, together by an yeah, amateur to begin with. Designed by someone's mate, yeah. But you could- I'd, I'd happily do like a, a rent remuneration mm. self-fix-it thing. I'd be perfectly happy to do that. Yeah. Because it's course. doable because I have a, a, an old brick and mortar house. Yeah. John probably has the goal to then accuse people of being lazy and shiftless for well, not having worked. Hey, John wants to get around uh, heritage laws by uh-huh. allowing the property to become Great. dilapidated. But I have it on excellent authority from the city of Yarra that that ain't how they do shit. He'll just have to restore it if it becomes dilapidated. What is this crazy fucking trend of the last five years where developers and owners are just openly trying to skate heritage stuff it's like not surprising but it sucks really well heritage badly. buildings are very annoying if you want to maximize profitability because yeah they're, they were designed primarily as homes mm. um before the mass commodification of, of real estate yeah so or if, if you're Irish in it to make pubs. money heritage is shit basically yeah. but uh frustrating they knocked down the corkman and it's i still carry the scars of that wound we had some good nights at the corkman yeah and And now they're rebuilding it but it's going to be a weird lifeless version and it's not a pub right they're turning it into a yeah it's just accommodation or something basically it's going to be another pub themed building yeah great great can't wait another irish pub Get me out of this spiral, Darcy. What's right. your next headline? <laughs> it's good news. Uh, also from the New York Times, they're having, a, they're having a good week this week. They always do. Trump gives health workers new religious liberty protections. This is by Robert Pear and Jeremy W. Peters from mm-hmm. the New York Times. So Trump's um, basically drive towards the evangelical voters is continuing. Mm-hmm. He is essentially proposing, or, or has given, actually, uh, healthcare workers the rights to basically refuse services on um, as, as conscientious objectors on religious liberty grounds. Right, that's always a good which uh, door to open. It's a great door to open. I mean, I I know why he's doing it because evangelical voters are purely issues based voters. Yeah, um, yeah. They don't. They, 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 they voted for Nixon over Carter, even mm. though Carter was an evangelical Christian <laughs> and Nixon clearly wasn't. I mean, it makes sense that they have this amazing capacity to congregate, but like, it still blows me away, especially living in the left, which at times can feel like a pretty tumultuous, uh, diffracted group. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've got a... <laughs> They've got a much simpler mission statement, right? Yeah, yeah. It's um, a question of complexity. Which, which they all agree how to do because they think the Bible says so. But mm. they're also, we, we underestimate them because they're wrong and they're wrong about such an easy issue to be right about yeah. that they're like really stupid and lacking in cunning, which is not true. They'll no, they just absolutely cynically zealous. support Trump. Mm. They know he's not one of them, but they also know he'll do what they want. So they're behind him 100%. Yeah. And he's given them great returns. They've got their their cherished um, 
Israeli capital moved to Jerusalem, mm-hmm. according to America <laughs> and Israel. They've got um, discrimination against trans people, which is not in the Bible at all. It's in the new Bible, the implicit Bible, which is written in fragments upon the brains of idiots. <laughs> And updated every day, depending on what they got feeling. There was that famous bit where Jesus traced the transsexuals out of the temple. Or <laughs> yeah. was that the finance guys? I, I think he remember. drove them uh, into a crowd of pigs, and then they went <laughs> off the cliff. If I recall correctly, they became gender confused pigs. Mm. Gender questioning. Whoops. Quickly, Kieran. Is that to- a? Is that a? I don't know. An issue. I struggle with. You know uh, how I feel about identity politics, Kieran. Yes. I hate identity politics. It can be. Well, that's only because I don't have an identity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's easy to hate identity politics from the perspective of a. Uh, of being the default. Yeah. Yeah. Just being the template. I that, guess I'm a bit Jewy, but still basically the default. You could bear down on that if you liked, but that. I mean, that would I don't be think worse. I could learn to talk like that. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> drive me and Robin would lose it. So what are the specifics of this? uh Well, essentially, they'll be able to opt out of any kind of procedure that violates what they view to be their religious conscience. So abortions, gender reassignment surgery. Mm -hmm. But it can be very disturbing when you look at things like emergency abortions right where Mm -hmm. we're not looking at a woman's rights to choose but her actual physical safety yeah yeah that's i mean it's terrifying enough but that's even the irish force doctors to do abortions if the mother's life is in yeah if she's about to die that's that's pretty worrying and i don't have any faith either that we live in a world like 10 years ago i would have said oh yeah but that's not actually going to happen but now it's like no 100 percent. that'll happen within the next two weeks there'll be a doctor at some hospital that kills a woman this is something the neocons complained about but you knew they were never actually going to touch it Mm. because they weren't either that stupid or they just weren't brave enough i'm not sure yeah um but yeah we we're dealing with an american president who's so divorced from what we viewers reality that he it's behaves <laughs> without any regard for the lives of yeah anyone who isn't going to give him something basically yeah. yes a hundred percent it's a purely utilitarian approach to things and it's terrifying and so it's weird if, if you are now gay if you are now transsexual if you are now a woman with an unwanted pregnancy in america you have to try to find a doctor who's going to happen to be supportive of your yeah. lifestyle choices as they view it. Yeah. And that is, means that if you live in Utah or yeah. if you live in fucking Mississippi or mm. Arkansas, you're yeah. going to have to get really lucky or yes. maybe really dead. Because abortions still happen when people don't have access to safe and legal abortions. Well, exactly. The- they just happen dangerously. This is the really simple, repeatedly proven across a bunch of different uh, areas of legislation is just, yeah, if you ban it and it's got a legitimate sort of demand, then you just push it underground and shit gets unsafe yeah. and criminal for that, everybody. That's why we, we have safe legal abortions in Australia, because a doctor who was a Scottish Presbyterian who was mm. personally opposed to abortions mm. still had the moral clarity to say it's important that these women have access to safe professionals who can do this. Yeah. Even though he didn't like it, he still fought for it. I've delved into my Christian conscience and I have come to the opinion that letting women die in unsafe procedures by the dozen is probably not what Jesus was about. Yeah. Also, the zygote often gets absorbed back into the woman's body a couple of weeks so so god does a lot of abortions it turns yeah, out yeah yeah but then you get into the the fucking absolute mire of like the million scientific and logical reasons why it shouldn't be an issue and there you're just fucking bashing your head against the wall shall we yes move uh, on okay uh this 
I'm not, I didn't write down what publication this was for, some two-bit piece of crap. Uh, the survey results are in Millennials Hate Boomers by John Brandon. Yeah, we not, do. Not surprising, but of course. Love you, mum. Love you, dad. Yeah, I don't hate the boomers in my life necessarily, but as a whole. I hate some of them. They have some things to uh, answer for. But listen to the way that John Brandon parses this information. He, he, he says that, uh, yeah, they did a big survey and millennials primarily blame boomers for the instability of the job market. Uh, and True. He says, he, he says this and then it takes no time at all for him to pivot to his true point, which is the simple fact from what I've seen firsthand is that millennials are not capitalizing on their strengths. Hiring managers don't really want to hire bots because he talks about the anxiety over automation. They want to hire capable humans. Make yourself that person. Outpace everyone else. Speak up at meetings. Work late if you have to. Or work smarter. That's a better option. When insurmountable odds are stacked against you and you have that $75,000 loan looming, uh, looming over you like a dark cloud, even at age 30... The best approach is to find a job where you become invaluable, where the boss can't help but give you the juicy projects. So his advice for succeeding is just like, to succeed. succeed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's case in point. The problem, if you want to get a job, you now have to be the Ubermink to <laughs> get a look in. Yeah. This. Well, listen. He's a, a anyone who delivers advice like that mm. deserves to fail by the metric he has just set himself this is what i don't get he obviously conceptualizes himself as this like self-starter kind of like hard work probably gen x dude i think he's gen x who knows right. but the pointless one. he's yeah he's fallen backwards into a minor media company with the like logical acuity of a high school debate member debate team member it's uh, it's so frustrating. It's so infuriating. So I'm amending my list. I hate the Boomers and John Brandon. <laughs> oh, I this is an interesting thing though, isn't it? This idea of intergenerational hatred, mm. because there are Boomers who complain about millennial attitudes and yep. so forth, um, who have photographs of themselves in you know sarongs and tie-dye silk shirts with yeah. hair down to their ankles. Yep. Like, yeah, this whole... Your parents were not happy. I <laughs> I think part of the frustration comes from the fact that prior to the baby boomers, we had the wartime generations mm -hmm. who went through two world wars and the Great Depression and um, built a social democracy here and in America and in Britain where they had grown up in leaky, cold, flu-ridden slums. Mm. They built clean suburbs with modern, accessible health, uh -huh. labour laws, uh -huh. and basically built the modern, safe, prosperous West as we know it, or as we conceive of it. Yes. And the baby boomers, their children, basically just said, yeah, whatever squares. I don't like jazz. <laughs> 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 and rode up this unique ramp to prosperity mm. that their suffering fucking parents had built for mm. them and then sold all of it yeah. as soon as they didn't need it anymore. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. They were made good by this apparatus and then dismantled it as their first fucking objective. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, intergenerational conflict is a cliche a little bit, and I think sometimes it's used to obscure what's really going on. But the fact of the matter that most of the institutions and apparatus and stuff that are responsible for this gradual death march into unchecked liberalism and uh, fucking just terrible living conditions, all of those things are in the hands of that generation. And they're not all bad, obviously, and there are a lot of really good boomers, but... Oh, look, it's true. I mean, I think, again, we sort of slip towards identity politics with this one. Mm, yeah. Because most boomers are no more responsible for what, apart from the ones that keep voting for the Tories, are yeah. no more responsible for what's going on then we are responsible for what's happened. Yeah. Um, you know, it's that, that old adage of, like, the British Empire wasn't really the British Empire, it was the British aristocracy's empire. The yeah. British people got nothing out of it. 
yeah. anything, it probably made their lives worse, I would say, because mm. they had to be the productive muscle yeah. behind it. Yeah. Um, so most boomers are accidentally doing well because of the housing market and aren't really responsible for anything per se. Yeah. Except for the ones that keep voting Tory. Yeah, and there are a lot of them, but it is important to note that, like, as that population ages and phases out of being the majority, like, property holders and power brokers, um, the Generation X is kind of starting to step into those roles, and they're not really changing that much. They're just as indoctrinated into this crazy neoliberal experiment as the boomers, and there are a fucking ton of people our age who think the exact same way. So it's it's not really... That's generational... Uh, well, this is getting into is class useful, territory as well. Yeah, a hundred percent, and I think that that's the thing. It just they happened. We have an arbitrary distinction of people within a certain age bracket that happen to, by virtue of their age and seniority, control a lot, and they're not giving up a lot of power. But that is gradually going to trickle down. Trickle down monstronomics, I call it, <laughs> and it's the revolution. It's basically like s- historic circumstance created a one-off middle-class generation that are behaving. Mm like the entitled shits you would expect a one-off middle-class generation to be, essentially. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That, is, that is the one little capstone that I would like to put on this. If anybody, millennials out there, my dogs, my teens and my dogs, uh, if anybody ever says that you're part of a self-entitled generation, if they tell you you're part of an entitled generation, school them on the difference between entitlement and a sense of entitlement. If they ever accuse you of being self-entitled or having a sense of entitlement, just show them a fucking mirror because the boomers are fucking crazy blind to the amount of uh, lucky dice that have been thrown on their behalf and the amount of fucking hard work that we're subsequently having to do in a fractured, shitty gig economy to even get a scrap of the stability which we have thrown in our faces at every minute. That's if they tell you how hard they had to rant. work, you remind them. Your parents went through two world wars and the Great Depression. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What did you do? And you threw it back in their faces because they weren't hip to the groove. Mm. (laughs) You started off a fucking fish and chippery that was bewilderingly profitable, paid off your house in fucking five years, had eight children. Fish and chips was good business before the Chinese turned up. Our next segment is topics. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's move on to our meat. We've had our veggies. Let's mm, move on to our meat. Nice taste of meat. I thought topics. it would be a very good idea, given that we're beginning a, a political journey, mm. uh, to define our political terminology mm-hmm. so that we can <laughs> hopefully avoid like a YouTube-esque um, cycle of nowhereness. Yeah, yeah. That because be people good. haven't understood the terms. It won't help, but I feel it's important that we try. It's good that it's important that we have it on the books yeah. so that we can say in our second episode. I refer you, sir, clearly to delineated. the minutes of the meeting. Yeah. Right. So, firstly, political terminology is becoming um, really unhelpfully flexible mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, due to a range of factors. Largely, it's because the Americans refuse to do things the way everyone else on the fucking planet does things. Yeah. Which so, they is use the word liberal when they mean socialist, and they use the yeah. word conservative when they mean deranged fascist from hell. Unusual for them, because normally they're very big about, like, following convention and, and sort of being in step with the world. Oh, they love it. Normally, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's part of the problem. Uh, part of the problem also is that there's just very little political education in mm. the mainstream, and that's bled through to the media. And yep. journalists now use these terms quite unhelpfully. Yes. So I thought we'd start with just a quick precy of essentially the main schools of political thought existing at the moment. Okay. Which we have... It's not as boring as it sounds, people. No, nah, fuck it. Like, if you're not interested in this, you should have turned the show off ages ago. <laughs> yeah, that was quite an optimistic <laughs> little message on my part. If you don't like what I have to say, fuck you. Stop listening to my show for free. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening to this in 2020, when it's now behind a paywall and you've paid $45 a month for to access this to this. Ever. Um, 
Now, mm. <laughs> stop distracting me, Kieran, with your asides to the audience. I apologise. Making friends by making fun of me. I'm on to you. We have the main schools of political thought existing at the moment. Basically, socialism. Yes, good. Liberalism. Mm. Conservatism. And reactionaryism. What's happening at the moment is that reactionaries are getting away with being called conservatives. Yes. Conservatives are getting away with being called liberals. Yeah. And socialists don't exist in a meaningful way in the Australian political spectrum. Yeah, and insofar as they do, it's in the form of a monster that wants to take away your trailer and your boat. Yeah. Oh, this is an important point. So we'll Mm. break them down a little bit. Socialism is fundamentally... We're going to ignore communism because it's not in any meaningful sense relevant, I don't Mm -hmm. think, at the moment. Socialism... Uh, Uh, Tankies, don't (laughs) hear him out, okay? I'm just talking about the current political discourse, but also, (laughs) like, yeah, it's just... It's not going to happen, guys. Yeah, all right. God. The um, abolition of private property... Mm-hmm. and its release into the hands of the proletariat. Yes. In socialism, there's a distinction between private property, which is essentially the means of production, yes. and personal property, Such which is helpful. your house, your car, your clothing. And Such an important distinction Your luxuries. It's a very important distinction. When um, capitalists talk about private property, they are discussing all of your private property, be it a factory that you own, shares that you own, your house, your luxury items whatever mm, your personal your wife. bits your wife often yeah. if it's a if it's a certain christian capitalist capitalists <laughs> well, anyway moving on <laughs> liberal feminists in the capitalist world kieran but mm. that's, true. <laughs> that's true but um under socialist thought personal property which is the goods that you cherish are not going to be seized by the state no right for it to function it's just about essentially uh, creating industrial democracy mm-hmm. in which workers live and well not live and so may, maybe live and work in co-ops like the um, kibbutzes in Israel mm-hmm. most likely just work in co-ops mm-hmm. um, in which the laws and legislation of society are passed by some sort of uh, representative body of the people or mm-hmm. direct democratic mechanism mm-hmm. it's not what we have at the moment, which is like liberal democracy, I would say we're not really a social democracy anymore. We're more a liberal yeah. democracy with some overhangs of sure. social democracy. Like Medicare is nice and superannuation and stuff, but generally mm. speaking, we're moving in a more and more liberal direction. Yeah. Um, Safe to say, I think. Social democracy is not democratic socialism. Yes. Um, which is kind of a tautology because authoritarian socialism is not socialism, it's just tyranny. Yeah, yeah, we get into the fucking the weeds pretty quickly yeah. with that. So it's yeah, we'll, we'll we'll try not to get too bogged down because each of these is like a PhD thesis topic <laughs> on its own. So I'm not mm. going to break down too much. But essentially, socialism is not about authoritarian control over every aspect oh. of your life. It's literally about ensuring that you, as a um, as all individuals are by definition minority members of society, that mm. you have the capacity to essentially live a life free from authoritarian pressures as much as is possible. And it's also worth noting that it is like, it has a sort of central fundamental belief, but it is a gradated thing. When mm. people talk about free university, that doesn't mean that that comes in a package with nationalising the car industry. Although No, and it doesn't necessarily make it a socialist um, objective. Whether or not something socialist is partly to do with the means employed, but the ends are important as well. Mm. The welfare state is castigated as socialist in the United States of America, but in Europe it's understood to be a response to socialism, to, to thwart socialism, essentially, yeah. um, by demonstrating to workers that a capitalist government could still look after them to some extent. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, yeah, means and ends are very important when we discuss political theory. Mm-hmm. But essentially, there is no major socialist party in Australia at the moment. Yeah. The Labour Party are essentially liberals, liberalism yeah. being about individual autonomy, um, 
property rights a very important component of liberalism, mm -hmm. as is representational democracy. Mm -hmm. You could have a direct democracy liberalism, I suspect, sure. um, if, if, if the media landscape was sufficiently biased towards certain perspectives. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty big hypothetical. It's a huge hypothetical. But, yeah, liberalism is basically a response to feudalism, and it's the premise that all mankind is created equal mm -hmm. and should be allowed autonomy under as many circumstances as possible. Darcy. It's not as nice in practice as that it sounds, sounds in theory. Good. Oh, okay. You stepped on my bit. You stepped on my bit. Uh, because it provides no mechanism for the weak to protect themselves from the strong, essentially. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's emancipatory qualities uh, transitioning from feudalism were obviously a hugely welcome thing. Oh, yeah. And, and in the 18th century, I would absolutely have been one of them. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it doesn't do a lot to sort of mediate the concretization of power or... It does nothing ...concentration to that, of no. power, rather. Um, trying to sound too smart for my own damn good. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's obviously, it has a trajectory. It was uh, an incredibly important phase in human development and social mm -hmm. development. And in a lot of the world, it's still needed, by the way. Yes. But um, in the West, clinging to it is having harmful consequences mm -hmm. regarding social cohesion and yeah. um, affordability of living, essentially. Yeah, well, because it kind of gets, it's different modes right there's the yeah. mode of liberalism which is about sort of breaking up power structures and uh, empowering previously non-empowered people to to representation and stuff like that but there's this mode of like principally economic deregulation and housing deregulation and yeah. shit that we have at the moment which is yeah just it's, about it's it's <laughs> it's giving you the freedom to do anything not just the freedom to do good yes um, yes and it gives you the freedom to die in poverty if that's the lifestyle choice that you uh, <laughs> that you want. Mm. Conservatism is, as a political doctrine, not as a loosely banded phrase, not actually anti-progress. Mm. Conservatism was a response to the French Revolution, to the Liberal Revolution in Europe in the close of the 18th century. And it's essentially, I guess, therefore, you could say it's quite an Anglo-Saxon doctrine in, it, in its genesis but it's about allowing society to progress without recourse to revolution so conservatives like to keep as much of they can mm. of, or as much as they feel is worth keeping of the established order whilst allowing for flexible development so the mm. democratic party in the united states of america is actually a classic conservative party they're yep. not anti-progress per se they're mm. not crazy about progress though they will allow as much change as they feel or as little change as they feel they can get away with yeah. to maintain the status quo. It's about adjustment rather than uh, reform. Yeah. I mean, or, sorry, reform rather than revolution. People call it gradualism a lot of the time these days, but that yeah. implies that you are actually trying to achieve something positively, not just kind of reluctantly yeah, granting crumbs. Vetting. Another good example would be the Liberal Party in Australia, right, during the immigration wave from Vietnam, mm. where they recognised that there had to be a certain flexibility and... Yeah, they, they, they saw that there was a lot to be gained from letting these refugees become an established part of society. Um, yeah. Uh, they, they also were then a, a more humane uh, group of thinkers. And well, of course. were interested in helping people too. Yes, but exactly. <laughs> there is a political calculation, which is that Vietnamese refugees fleeing from a communist regime are probably mm -hmm. not going to vote Labour. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And they yes. didn't. Overwhelmingly, yep. they didn't. Um, so, yeah, that's conservatism. Not the boogeyman it's often portrayed as on the left. Still mm. the enemy, but... Definitely the enemy, just... In a lot of ways can be preferable to liberalism under some circumstances. Depending right on the situation hands. that you've got, it's a problem when you have entrenched uh, systems which are harmful and the attempts to fix them take the form of, like, extremely minor adjustments yeah. and stuff. Climate change policy in this country would be maybe a good example there where we try to intervene as little as possible. Ah, see, I, I would say that's not the fault of conservatives per se. That's mm. a reactionary problem. I think 
it it was initially a problem of conservatives. It was when initially, It was yeah. like Rudd and Turnbull trying to negotiate things, and then oh, totally. the Abbott uh, Granted kerfuffle that. was a hundred percent a reactionary. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, which, which is a good segue into reactionaries, actually. Mm-hmm. So reactionaries are not conservatives. Reactionaries are essentially regressive elements in society who wish to restore a, a previous status quo mm-hmm. or who wish to um, stop any further progress in a, in a given direction. Mm-hmm. So Malcolm Turnbull and... Uh, Tony Abbott are actually really good examples of the of the respective and, and the fact that they often cannot coexist, even though they're on the right yeah. of the political spectrum, mm. except for when we establish our utopia and then conservatives <laughs> will finally be the goodies. Um, yes, yeah, we're all going to have to prepare ourselves for that day where we become the conservatives. We will definitely see it. Yeah, <laughs> yep, it's a hundred percent a realistic goal. This show is uh, fondness for goodness. That's <laughs> we love our fondness that, for goodness. That bit sucked. All right. So in the, in the late twentieth century, um, within the confines of our current political system, Margaret Thatcher was the arch conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, so her not sorry, she was the arch reactionary. Yes. Um, And her policy of smashing up the welfare state Mm. was not a conservative position to take. It was a reactionary position. It's quite radical, right? A sensible... Well, no. So radicalism implies progressivism. Okay, well, radical in the sense that it's a new way. I wasn't being technical with my language there. In in reactionary... Yeah. It's a large-scale reform of society, just not Um, good. and And it was entirely about returning... The United Kingdom to uh, a, a state that it existed in before the Labour Party was involved in politics, mm. when you just had the Tories and the Liberals duking it out um, yeah. over how blatant they wanted imperialism to be, essentially, <laughs> <laughs> and whether or not women should be allowed to do things. Yes. Um, so simpler the t- times. <laughs> simpler times. So Thatcher's smashing up of the welfare state would be anathema to a reasonable conservative. Like, Edmund yeah. Burke would not have done that. Yeah, sure. Um, so that's a quick precy of the terminology that we'll be using and, and ha- a guide to how we'll be using it. Yeah. Um, if, we, if we want to look at other ones, fascism's an well, interesting one, because yeah. that's kind of... There's a danger that that I might plan be on, on the using way back that a little term bit. Quite, uh, You're going to use it as just like a, a, an expletive, essentially. Yeah. That's fair, but we should quickly cover it, <laughs> just okay. because of the way that Europe's kind of going at the moment. Yeah, yeah, it, um, may, it may become important. Fascism is confused by the, the sorts of conservatives who think that George Orwell is on their side. Yeah, um, yes. Also think that fascism is a left-wing ideology because mm-hmm. the Nazis used the expression national socialist to describe themselves. Yes. But national socialist is an oxymoron. You cannot be a nationalist and a socialist. It is semantically impossible, yeah. even if it's syntactically coherent. And it's also just like, uh, this may be too obvious, but it's just a really common technique of tyrannical governments to call themselves like, yeah, like for the, the people or socialists. It's, it's or like DPRK or <laughs> saying that, yeah, the DPRK people's is Republic a great example. Congo? Was it Congo that was the People's the, Republic of Congo? The, yeah, they, they, they were also the Democratic Republic, Democratic of, Congo, Republic yeah. of Congo. Yeah, which and obviously that's you not wouldn't what hold was going North on. Korea up as an example of how shit democracy is for <laughs> the same reason you don't hold the Nazis up as an example of how shit socialism is. yeah but precisely. the focus of the nazis on um a, a hierarchical society remember they mm. believed in class cooperation not class struggle yeah um, the nazis viewed the world as a place in which everyone had their place mm-hmm. which they were born into yes. and there was a master race and slave races it's a systematic oppression doctrine which makes it literally impossible to equate with the liberation of the global proletariat. Yeah, yeah. Not socialist. Fundamentally opposite. (laughs) Fundamentally opposite. But I am just going to use it as an insult to people that I don't like. Communism we can't really critique because the only communists who've ever existed were slaughtered by European colonialists and we don't have any of their cultures (laughs) left anymore. But it's basically communism is essentially just a a pre-consumer society. 
yeah. with, with social input. It's a stateless, mm. pre-consumer society. Yeah, and obviously Marxist theory has this concept that the world will progress through socialism to communism eventually, but I don't want to be that internet guy that's like, we haven't seen it really done yet, but we haven't really seen it done. No, we've seen try. We've seen We've seen old, old communal societies, but yeah, sort of. But like, I guess mm. the... I don't know, the Indigenous Australians um, were probably one of the closest examples that we have on record of sure. living a communist lifestyle. Yeah, that's not a terrible uh, string to draw, I don't think. There, um, Apologies to Ken Wyatt. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's another term that I would like to quickly drop, and that is neoliberal, which is a fuzzy term, but I think I'm going to use it a lot. Yeah, okay, is... it's important in the current context. So, so ha- how do you differentiate that from a classical liberal? It's... Uh, uh, it's sort of the this modern move towards economic deregulation, uh, deregulation, right? So it's it might be you could describe it as the shift from traditionally left of centre parties to being uh, centre right or right the the sort of magic by which liberals become conservatives and centred around this ideology of the market taking care of itself and people taking the the idea of self-determination and turning it into this horrible thing where then people are to blame for their shitty conditions. I might be attaching that to neoliberal as a term in an unfair way, but essentially when I'm using it, uh, it's to talk about this broad support for economic deregulas- uh, deregulation. Why do I keep trying to say I, deregulization? I guess. So th- there's an important fact here, and I guess this is maybe a big thing that separates neoliberalism from classical liberalism, uh, is that in The Wealth of Nations, Adam Smith made clear in books four and five mm. that the invisible <laughs> hand of the market, I'm, I'm, le- I'm leaning into that because you can usually only buy it in books one to three. Right. And so you're going to read it and say, oh, it's not in there, you mate. You have to, you have to find books it. four and five. Um, he, he makes it clear that the invisible hand he's been talking about mm. is not a substitute for human moral judgment and decision-making. Right. It's just a mechanism that allows you to increase efficiencies. Mm-hmm. That's all he views it as. Mm-hmm. Um, so this idea of allowing the market to determine everything is more neo than classically liberal. I think a good mm. classical liberal would probably hearken back to Adam Smith's reminder that they're still morally accountable for yeah. the decisions that they make. Sure. It's also um, attached politically to the the revitalization. I'm putting that in scare quotes, of uh, like the Labour Party in the UK and the Democratic Party in the US and the Labour Party here when their actual left-of-centre policies started to fail and they were in search of a new ideology that they could bring to the people. And neoliberalism was, at the time, kind of a popular So we're, we're looking idea. at, like, New Labour under Blair. New Labour. New Democrats under Clinton. Yeah, and- exactly, where they turn away from strong social welfare programs and turn more to kind of market reforms that are supposed to be about ameliorating well it's this theory that because human beings are rational market agents Mm. any market outcome is a rational and good outcome yeah and so you can't you literally can't have an immoral market outcome which is true only in the sense that you can't have any kind of moral market outcome because it's not a moral agent as Smith pointed out, it's yeah, yeah, and um, it's kind of it's kind of degraded to this point today, right? Where it's all about like desperately trying to salvage what is possible uh, about these, uh, what they can from these market policies, and kind of the idea of the Democrats giving poor kids like electricians apprenticeships or like iPads to learn on or something without ever fundamentally changing the underlying structure. Like, there's a lot of effort. Well, they they won't though because the Democrats are a conservative. And in in fairness to the yeah. Democrats, they've never actually been what we would call a progressive party. Mm. They've always they were conservative when the Republicans were liberals, mm-hmm. and they've remained conservatives now that the Republicans are reactionaries. Yeah, sure. And 
the fact that the Democrats are viewed as a progressive party is purely because the Republican Party is probably the most insane major political organization in the world yeah, at the moment. Yeah, it's truly frightening. The only countries that mm. have mental and major parties are countries that mm. are still negotiating their way out of like the colonial dustbin they were left in <laughs> on independence. Yeah, sure. They, yes, yes, definitely. Um, anyway, yeah, sorry, I clearly didn't do the research <laughs> to that's make sure that I ambushed you with this topic, Kieran. Yeah, I that's to see true. what you were made of. <laughs> but I, I am not a... I think uh, you've done very well. I'm not a disciplined man when it comes to using these terms. I don't that's think. why we're podcasters, but not radio broadcasters. It is important, yes, that these are roughly the definitions that we'll be working from. When we say liberal and... If you're an American, that's, again, wildly optimistic. If we say liberal, we mean liberal, not socialist. Yes, exactly. And it's one of those weird things like aluminium, aluminum, where everybody's like, oh, the Australian Liberal Party is called the Liberal Party, but they're not at all like actual liberals, i.e. US progressives, but they've got it fucking ass backwards because, of course, yes, they're... Well, they had to start, in fairness, they had to use euphemisms because of the Cold War and McCarthyism and so on. So it's not strictly their fault. It's McCarthy. As usual, it's a right wing person's fault. (laughs) We never screw up on the left. (laughs) Yes. No. Unimpeachable record. (laughs) Wonderful. Was Uh, there anything else you wanted to cover on this one? uh, We've got a couple of minutes left. I would like to delve into the latest. Kanye West meltdown. Fantastic. No, just because liberal doses of meltdown. <laughs> because he's he's classically unhinged. He's a hundred percent off the chain and tweeting out dumb shit and he loves Donald Trump, but maybe he doesn't agree with all of his policies or something. He walks around town and his Well he only hat. agrees with himself. Yes, yeah. The only person he hundred percent agrees with is himself. But this is just Unless Kim right. reminds him that he agrees with her as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. This is interesting for like a couple of reasons, I reckon, and one is just because of the spectacle of it. Uh to which, like, I'll direct you to his insane tweet of the photo of his insane house where he's like, does this look like the sunken place? And it's like, yes, yes, it does. It's a (laughs) pure white stone temple with arches and weird little vestibules and shit. It's like, yeah, if it hadn't already been represented as as a black void in the film, then, yeah, that may be how I would conceptualize the sunken place. It's pure white for fuck's sake. Like, how more, how much more symbolic can you get? Uh, so there's that. And also his uh, thing about dragon energy, which is a nice little echo of the, the Charlie Sheen meltdown. Yeah, the tiger blood. Tiger blood, dragon energy. So now we have- Tiger blood have- makes way more sense than dragon energy. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to say. But dragon energy is much more heavy metal, so that's, that's what true. you want. Um, yeah, but we have sort of like now a clinical uh, sample from which to draw to to meter these celebrity meltdowns where it's like animal characteristic. Uh, elephant brain, um, cougar loins. There's the limits Ooh. don't exist. The possibilities are limitless, is what I meant to say. So that's the first reason that it's interesting. It's just funny to me, because... There's a lot of moth energy. Mmm, mmm. I've got a bit of a mouse nouse. (laughs) A modest mouse? (laughs) Ah, yes. Uh, That will make sense as I inevitably drop a million references to modest mouse throughout the run of this podcast, and eventually I'm arrested for being, like, inappropriately enthusiastic or something. Karen's a musician. Yes. Um, Anyway, the second reason... Moving quickly on from myself, everybody. Ah, There's more to talk about. Uh, The second reason that it's interesting is because of the, the reactions that people are having to this. People are losing their mind over the idea that Kanye West, an American celebrity, and therefore a god... Yeah. might hold a weird political opinion. But he was already known to be a loon bag. Like, yeah. He's never been somebody who wasn't bonkers. Ever. I know. And it's it, it's funny to me, like, in the other type of funny, in the other way that that word is used, uh, fucking, I am tripping over my tongue today, um, <laughs> that even with this knowledge, forewarned that he was 
hospitalized a couple of years ago that he's walked off and canceled tours because he's getting too crazy that people still are so attached to this celebrity worship well, idea that yeah i mean you'd have thought that this sort of rigorous scrutiny of celebrity life might have taken some of the sheen off them yeah like if twitter was around circus samuel beckett mm. i can totally see him having kanye evenings like a lot of our, our great eccentric artists were obviously mad because eccentric's a euphemism yeah and they'd be in similarly awkward positions if every mm. if they'd had the capacity to broadcast all of their thoughts yeah. for all time across the internet <laughs> it's um, just it's so important i can't stress this enough it's so important not to have these fucking heroes yeah you should I, never have i heroes. learned last night that mike judge is a little bit conservative oh well he can still make some tv shows that make me laugh yeah that's not all right you're allowed to disagree with people and still enjoy them learned that david foster wallace voted for reagan first time around he did can also kind of understand the thinking the fucking absolutely misguided thinking that led him to that point but you know Lawrence Krauss is a sneaky horrible perv yeah that was disheartening but you're not hanging out with these people they don't have to be no you just focus on the work that they do if it's relevant yeah if 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 the fact that they turn out to suck Mm. it can invalidate the work that they do it can but it doesn't necessarily have to. If it you like Kanye's for somebody, music, just well, for like somebody like Kanye, where like the appeal of his music what is does he even this, do? He is a musician, yeah, yeah, musician and producer, rapper right. and producer, and sometimes singer. But like his whole like appeal is centered around this kind of iconoclastic self obsession that he can be quite articulate about or whatever. I'm not a fucking massive Kanye fan, but I'll give him the respect that he's due. You don't want him to be, like, a normal, mild, just another mild Democrat mouthpiece getting on Twitter and being like, this is unacceptable, Donald Trump is dangerous. You want him to be a fucking weirdo. Yeah, it's true, Surely. actually. I mean, certainly Joe Strummer never lost any fans because he got drunk and started ranting about stuff. Yeah. Right? Because the... I mean, there is a point where you have to sort of be like oh shit that's a bad move is it because kanye's become a part of the um the sort of american aristocracy i suppose hasn't he yeah he definitely and has. he's violating his noblesse well, oblige by carrying yeah, on like this that's probably it i, I liked kim's intervention which was essentially mm. like my husband's not mad okay <laughs> yeah. he's just a sensitive soul just being himself he's not mad but i need everyone to just Give him some space. <laughs> okay? Just... No, he's not... That's fine. It's fine. He's not mad. Yeah. Just don't excite him. Okay? Just quiet. How Take much it did easy. You, yeah. <laughs> that was fantastic. How much did you think about that impression before you committed to it? Because it was a voice, but it wasn't an attempt to get think close. about that at all. I don't yeah. know how she talks, Kieran. No, know. no. I've never actually watched Me neither. Show. That could have been fucking spot on. I like to think that she just has a kind of clapped out... 70s suburban housewife kind of voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there are some people for whom it might be important. Like, if Johnny Rotten starts banging on about politics, that's kind of his field. And yeah. His field is. Not his field of expertise, but no, it's his relevant his area. Field it's his relevant area. Being within. But yeah, when you have like a half mad, self obsessed uh, avatar of American kind of exceptionalism and yeah he's, he tilted at respectability didn't he i think that was that's yeah. cut maybe why he's in this um pickle sure he's predator the movie but in rapper form he's just sheer fucking american dream essence he's a magic spell that the founding fathers cast upon your country so don't be surprised when he fucking does some weird shit and turns into a dragon energy infused weirdo Depend- I should have just said turns into a dragon. What am I thinking? Depending on your mythological interpretation of dragon, this can go in a lot of directions as well. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like to think of him as like a sort of um, cunning, greedy Nordic dragon. Yeah. <laughs> could be, could be. Sitting on a big pile. I don't, I don't see him as being like a Chinese dragon. No, probably not. He would definitely be like... One of those dragons who's not necessarily terrorizing people, 
but he is like lurking over there and you go to him sometimes for wisdom but sometimes he's just oh, a he's dick. a riddle giving dragon isn't he yeah he is a riddle giving dragon and the riddle is why do you give such a fuck about what kanye west thinks he's a fucking nutcase deal with it and just let him be mad by the way it's fine yeah all right that's uh most mentally ill people only harm themselves no one has to worry Yes, that's the official stance of the Weakness for Bleakness podcast. <laughs> no one has to worry. No one has to worry. That's our motto and our... Just remember, the sun <laughs> will explode. None of this matters. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> it is time, I think, for all of us to start reconceptualizing death and the, the potential harmony that that will bring. The separation of consciousness from your physical form. Ah, not that we're going to lead There's a suicide cult or anything, but death is no. the end of all evil. Yes, that's very true. Anyway, that'll do it for us, <laughs> I think. Uh- <laughs> it's all over quickly anyway. Do not kill yourself. Yeah, no, fucking please don't. Uh, live. <laughs> we're do it another we're day. almost 40 already. Have a, have a think about Ten it. 10 years away. You can put it off for a couple of weeks. Go outside, look at the sky. It's a pretty dope thing to be alive. It's a firmament uh, that holds back magical water. Yes. Yes, it is. I All right, read we, that in the Bible. Let's put a pin in this. Uh, I have been Darcy Moran. My name is Kieran Stevenson. And this was A Weakness for Bleakness. Weakness. I shouldn't have done that. All right, goodbye. <laughs>